Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... Jesus did it so we could win. And true confession and repentance, realizing our sin is against God, must come via the foot of the cross. So what happens when we come to the cross? At the cross, we're reminded who we are. People for whom Jesus Christ took the judgment for our sins. So we could become children of the King. When we come to the foot of the cross, we find freedom from striving for contentment. Jesus gave us a way to lay down our burdens and be content in His presence. As Pastor Jim reminds us in today's teaching, it is possible to find rest in the work of Jesus. There are plenty of religious people who are trying to find contentment through performance, but God says that freedom was purchased for us on the cross. The only way to be content is to trust in Jesus and His finished work on the cross. Now let's open our Bibles and join Pastor Jim for part three of his message entitled, Is Contentment Even Possible? I know a lot of Christians hear about the Comforter and we automatically you know, think about the Holy Spirit, but in the Old Testament, Comforter is someone who would help, someone who would protect. You think of Jesus warning people not to stumble, little ones, saying, man, it would be better if a big stone were tied around your neck and you were cast to the bottom of the ocean. I think about Jesus going into the temple where, where they had made it all about the money and Jesus walks in and in righteous indignation he is throwing the tables over because people are getting the wrong idea about his father because of what's going on in the temple and what's going on in the church. Sometimes I watch those guys on television with the vast crowds talking about money, 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 money. And if you give money, uh, you'll be rich and all this kind of stuff. And so many of those people are poor. And they leave Christianity and then there's a whole new crowd that comes in because they're looking for, for something that this man is lying to people about. And I just picture Jesus walking into that church and flipping over the tables. Just flipping it over. And saying, that guy's a liar. And don't listen to him. Yet on the other hand, we see in the Gospels the compassion of Jesus walking around offering the forgiveness of sins, walking around healing people, raising the dead, ultimately giving his own life on the cross for people. I guess in the pastor circles that I run in, I, I constantly hear that we need more preachers of God's word, and I don't disagree we live in a Christian age where people are just not taking their people through the Bible anymore. They read a verse and then they just jump into the pool of their own opinion. And people are just walking around the stage, not saying much of anything, not wanting to offend anyone except God, by the way. And people are saying we need more preachers who are going to actually get up there and just say the truth, whether people like it or not, just going to speak on God's behalf. And I don't disagree, but I actually think we need more good Samaritans in this world. We need more helpers. We need more comforters. You know, if that's you and you think, you know what, I, I, I'm not really good. I don't, I'm not good with 
talking and theology kind of confuses me. I don't, I don't really understand that too much. Jesus says, hey man, you go out and give somebody a cup of water in my name and heaven's going to notice. Heaven's going to see. You don't have to be a good talker or a fast talker. Just go out and be a comforter. Go out and love people in my name. Well, that brings us to our third observation The world is envious. The world is envious. Look at verse 4. He said, again, I saw that for all toil and every skillful work, some guys out there working hard, a man is envied by his neighbor. So let's say you got a new car. You worked hard for it, okay? You come in your driveway, your neighbor's like, oh, got to get one of them. Or same thing, your neighbor working hard, comes in with his new car, got to get one of them, right? Some people are like, oh, well, I'm not like that. Well, new house, New cell phone, new whatever, (laughs) right? And he says, this is also uh, vanity and grasping for the wind. So the Bible writer here tells us, and interesting that it's King Solomon, or writing about King Solomon, the guy who had everything, who just keeps building and building and building. We've already come past, he was partying and partying, partying. He says that, that really much of the world is driven by envy. Did you know that much of our economy is driven by envy? Right? Every time you watch a commercial, just say, did they just try to school me on why I need what they have or I won't be a complete person? Always, the, I, I'm the worst to watch commercials with. I like the commercials better than the shows. I'm like, look at what they're saying, right? Is they're just trying to convince you that if you buy their product, their product will not only, they'll not only deliver a product, but they'll deliver a level of satisfaction that you can have. And you could never call them up on it. I mean, like, hey, listen, your product, I thought I'd be happy after I had it. They're like, what are you kidding me? <laughs> We're selling vacation homes. <laughs> we didn't promise that you'd be happy. Go see your doctor or something like that. But here's the thing that envious living easily discards the two greatest commandments, doesn't it? It easily discards loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. Mark 15.10 tells us, that even Pontius Pilate realized that the chief priests handed Jesus over to be crucified because of envy. They didn't like the fact that Jesus had become so popular. And so to think that we're not getting our fair share, to think that we're entitled, to think that we deserve more, we have to have more, starts to drive our motivations and our hearts instead of Jesus Christ. Now, is it okay to want more? Yes. Part of the reason why God gives his people more is to bless them and so they can be more generous. But you have to ask yourself, is the desire for more, has it now become the driving force in your life? And most of us have come to realize that when we live our lives to impress, we end up distressed. When we're trying to impress, we end up depressed. We end up frustrated, empty, because it's never enough. Living trying to impress people is exhausting and it produces more discontentment than you could ever imagine. And it's often the case, the more we have, the more we want. And not just things, it can be our circumstances, right? That we have a way we expect life to be. And if we're not careful, living life that way Wanting more becomes our God. Wanting life the way we want it becomes our God. And we have to be very, very careful. So there's three observations. That the world is wicked, 
the world is oppressive, and the world is envious. And so that he ends with, with three choices that people tend to make in the chaos of life. Verse 5 and 6 are Proverbs. He says, verse 5, the fool folds his hands. So the fool looks at the world and does what? I ain't doing nothing. I'm doing nothing. You say, what happens to someone who does that? I throw up my hands. That's it. I'm done. I don't. And people do this in the church, right? I've had it. I'm done with all this. And look at the word picture, and consumes his own flesh. God says that if you fold your hands, you do nothing, you'll consume yourself. You will be on a path to self-destruction. In verse 6, you're like, finally you got to our verse, Jim. Come on, step it up. Another proverb. Better is a handful. Note, that's a single handful. The first guy, the fool, threw both of his hands up in the air, closed his hands, didn't want any part of it. Better with a single hand or a hand with quietness than both hands full. So better to have one hand full, doing your work, doing your thing, and one hand free than to have both hands so full together with toil, we might say with stress and grasping for the wind. So here you have someone whose whose hands there, they fold their hands. Are their hands open to receive blessings from God? No, not at all. Then you have another person on the other end of the spectrum has both hands full. They fill themselves with all kinds of stuff that this world has to offer. Do they have any opportunity to get blessings from God? They can't. God's like, hey, I want to bless you with something. Uh, Can't, God, hands full, sorry, right? And so here the the proverb is telling us better to have one hand full of what you're doing here on this earth and another hand open for what God has for you. So overwhelmed by chaos, some people will say, that's it, I'm done. I'm not doing anything anymore. I'm finished. And the Bible says, that's a fool. The idea that is that idleness, that laziness, isolation, which we'll get into the next section, leads to a dangerous inward way of looking at life. And friends, let me ask you, is that you? Say, no, listen, it's a holiday. I'm at church, Jim. Come on, it obviously couldn't be me. Well, it could be, couldn't it? Or what about the friends that you have that have already thrown up their hands? They're done with it. And you're, and you're sitting around going, ah, somebody needs to give them a call. You're right. Somebody needs to give them a call. <laughs> right? Somebody needs to give them a call. You're like, who? Look in the mirror. <laughs> the same is true when both hands are full. People striving and stressing for more. What, what does that do in the life of, of God's people? Well, it leads them to compromise, right? Some people will do anything to get more. It leads them to Emptiness. It leads them to a weak faith. A thousand years after this, after Jesus, shortly after Jesus had ascended into heaven, the writer of Hebrews said this, Hebrews 13, 5, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. Wow. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, talking about Jesus, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You say, how can I be content with what I have? Because Jesus is with you. So the writer of Hebrews and Solomon totally agree that contentment is found. Interesting, a guy who had everything finally comes to this conclusion. Contentment is found in having enough and being satisfied with what you have 
and living for eternity and walking in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ who said he would never leave you or forsake you here on earth. Look at this through the lens of being an American. As Americans, we are conditioned to believe that being rich and famous will satisfy, right? Let me draw your attention to those um, grand pieces of literary masterpiece, the magazines at the checkout counter in the supermarket or in Target or Walmart or wherever you shop. There we have, each magazine has a picture of a different person who is rich and famous. (laughs) Do they look satisfied? (laughs) Misery, pure misery. We went last summer to Martha's Vineyard and and Nantucket. And uh, when we were in Nantucket, this guy was telling me his father owns this maintenance business. and, And I'm like, so all these guys, these billionaires fly in on their jets, huh? He was like, yeah, man. And he's like, and then they fly in all their friends. I'm like, why? He's like, because these guys have normal friendships. They have to fly in their friends to have a party with them. And then, uh, you know, I had a friend who uh, did some security work for a very well-known billionaire. And he said, man, you'd go someplace and you'd get these phone calls, right? You got a guy who's worth billions and they go, I want 20 million or I'm blowing up your plane. Just constantly, constantly uh, living with that. The American way is toil and grasping for the wind. Always wanting more, wanting more, wanting more. And the Lord comes along and says, don't join the world. Join the kingdom. Serve the king and the kingdom of God. So here we're told that by quietly enjoying our work, that's one hand, right? And helping others and enjoying our life, that's the other hand. We can be content. We can actually find contentment. So as I was thinking through this stuff, and, I, I, and I'm perfectly willing to say that's probably where, uh, at least in this section, that the writer of Ecclesiastes is leaving us under the sun. That's the best you can do is, is, is hope that you can, you know, find a decent job, have a little bit of fun, and, and not be stressed out all the time. But in teaching this, we have to look, we've been saying, we're looking on Sundays, is what, what's different now that we know Jesus? In fact, is there a, pro, a way of looking at this proverb that's a little different, or these proverbs in verse 5 and 6, that's a little different because of Jesus having already come? And I think there is. And dare I be so bold to say that it, it actually might be the only remaining hope for the church in America. The Pew Research just came out recently and um, Christianity is losing ground in America. Of course, everybody's like, oh, Jesus said the great gates of hell will not prevail against my church. You're right, it won't. But maybe the American church will, will have its difficulty like it has in Europe. And so what, what would be different for a Christian in looking at these Proverbs I think I've noticed that a lot of Christians appear to me to be worn out and ineffective. Living two, kind of two lives. I'm going I'm to try to get everything the world says that I have to have. But on the other hand, I'm going to try and live Christian. We call it one foot in the world and one foot in the church, right? And, and, and finding out that it just doesn't work. And the interesting thing is that we are uh, ineffective in both worlds generally. So we find ourselves not making much progress in this chaotic world. 
And so what's happening now, we're losing, Christians are decreasing at a basically one percentage a year, which doesn't sound like much until you do it over a 20-year period. So people are chasing after the wind, and they're sort of chasing after God, and a lot of people end up throwing up their hands and they go, I'm done. I'm done. And actually, I think a lot of the problem has to do with a lack of belief in the gospel. With, with a lack of belief in the totality of what Jesus Christ has done for his people. You see, when we don't believe the gospel, how do we end up? We end up with hands empty, I'm done, or hands full, I'm going to work for every little thing I can get out of this world. And oddly enough, I think you really hear it in the way Christians talk about sin. I hear a lot of people, they sin, and they beat themselves up. I mean, obviously, we should be very sad when we sin, because our sin is first and foremost against God. But a lot of people just beat themselves up, and then they go and they do it again, and next week they beat themselves up. Or if they're really sophisticated, they're an accountability group, but they get together with other people, and then we just, we just here's our sin, it's on the table. Oh, it's ugly, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll bring it back next week, right? I mean, <laughs> that's the way it is. Things don't change. Things don't change. We hear people say stuff like, well, I, I can't forgive myself. Who are you, God? Really? God says, I'll forgive everything you did. And you say, I can't forgive myself? Listen, if you say, um, I can't believe I did that stupid thing, believe it, you did it. Okay? We all do stupid things. But the other side of the spectrum is you have the people who are just beating themselves up or beating their friends up. They like the fact that, oh, he comes and confesses his sin to me. Like, I like that. What's that? That's the, that's the position of power. I like the power. Right? He comes and tells me his sins, right? Like, what about your sin? Oh, I don't really have them like he does. Okay, sure, right? The other side of the, the coin is that the, everything is let it slide. And actually that happens in our, in our pity party accountability groups as Christians, is that the, everything is let it slide. And what happens when, we're, when we think like that, we end up giving up, I'm done, or we end up giving in. Oh, this is just the way I am. And the fire, the fire that once burned in our souls goes out. Friends, Jesus Christ fought sin and death on the cross. So we can fight sin in this life and win and win. Not just sit around with our friends or our loved ones or ourselves bemoaning the fact that we keep losing Jesus did it so we could win. And true confession and repentance, realizing our sin is against God, must come via the foot of the cross. So what happens when we come to the cross? At the cross, we're reminded who we are. People for whom Jesus Christ took the judgment for our sins. So we could become children of the king. And don't miss this. Because I think a lot of times we come to the cross, we confess our sins, and then we leave till we have to deal with it again, and we miss perhaps the most important thing at the cross, we return to the reality of grace. We return to the reality of God's empowering forgiveness. And that, and Jesus' love, motivates us 
and compels us to obey. That's what does it. Not our beating ourselves up. So, let's talk about two groups of people here for a second before we get to the third, the obvious choice. Let's talk about religious people. Religious people. Now, in northwest New Jersey, there's a lot of people who are like we are, Bible geeks, running around saying, I can't stand those religious people. Can't stand them. You know, light a candle, nail in front of the statue, go live the way you want and think it's okay. You know, friends, a lot of us are really religious. We just don't see it. A lot of us think if we perform well, God will love me. Do you realize if you're a Christian and you've put your trust in Jesus Christ, what distorted image you have? I mean, it, really, you need counseling. <laughs> I need counseling. To think that God could love us any more, having forgiven our sins and giving us Christ's righteousness is absolutely absurd based upon our own performance. Now, are things that we do displeasing to God? They are. It says in the Bible, the thing that David did displeased the Lord. But really, if we think that God loves us on the basis of what, how we live or our performance, that is a distorted image And some people are so religious in this way. They think they have to look so spiritual. They think they have to brag to people how often they read their Bible. They think God will will like them more if they just go around acting like they're all humble. Humility is really knowing who you are, not being like, oh, I'm humble. For other people, it's evangelism. Oh, God will really like me if I tell people about Jesus. Social justice, oh, if I'm fair to people, uh, then if I help people, God will like that. For others, it's morality. Oh, you know, pornography people, you know, are like, oh, you know, like, you know, I'm gonna gonna worship at the idol of morality. See, those, you say, well, but those are good things, Pastor Jim. Of course, they're all good things until they start to replace Jesus Christ as the Savior. And once they replace Jesus Christ as the Savior, you know what those things are? the same as kneeling in front of a statue lighting a candle it's religion and when that starts to happen his love ceases to be the motivation for living for God well, what about the other end of the spectrum that's the people with their hands folded they think they're just free from the commands of God oh I'm free I'm free I'm free But the Bible says that the Lord's commands are not burdensome. Oh, it doesn't matter. I'm free, I'm free. Friend, if that's you, you have a false sense of freedom. And King Solomon tells us this way of living, look what he says here, this way of living in verse five, consumes your flesh. Consumes your flesh. Rots your bones from the inside. It's so very sad. Why does it consume your flesh? Because that's what you end up obeying. You're no longer obeying God. You're obeying your flesh. Your freedom is now your God. I know a lot of people who will say something like this. They might not say it, but if you press them, they'll say something like this. You know, they'll say, you know, well, I'm really, I'm really struggling in my in my walk with God, and I'll say, you know, man, maybe you need to get back to the Gospels and just look at the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, man, and, and just fall in love with your Savior, man. Just, just watch him and, and love him. They'll say, oh, that, I don't need to do that. I'm free. I'm free. 
But that same person will, watch, will read the internet for nine hours a day. And they don't see the disconnect. So what's the, what's the answer? Better a handful with quietness. That's the answer. Right there in verse 6. Better to focus on Jesus. Better to focus on grace than what our hearts want. You have been listening to Changed by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our hope and prayer is that all of our listeners would grow into committed followers of Jesus Christ. And we are overjoyed to play whatever role we can in helping you mature in your faith. Would you like to know more about us? Maybe you would like to pass this message on to a friend or family member. If so, go to our website at www.changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you have a question or need some guidance. We don't want to replace your pastor, but we are here to help. It's so easy to contact us. All you have to do is call, click, or write. Our phone number is 973-659-3380. That's 973-659-3380. Our email address is info at changedbyloveradio.com. Our mailing address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. You may be surprised to know how excited Pastor Jim and the Changed by Love radio team are to hear from you. In fact, it is common for Pastor Jim to pass on your encouragement to the congregation here in New Jersey, since we consider all of our listeners part of our family. That's all the time we have for today. Our sincere hope and desire is that you will join us again next time on this radio station as we continue teaching the Word of the Lord here in the book of Ecclesiastes, one verse at a time. We here at Changed by Love pray God's best to each and every one of you today.